about an African man, a high-ranking official in his nation's government, who was returning home from a visit to Jerusalem. He had come to faith in the true God of Israel and had been in Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, riding in his chariot, he was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. The evangelist Philip came alongside and asked the man if he understood what he was reading. The man invited Philip to explain it to him. There could hardly be a better jumping-off place to explain the person and the work of Jesus than this passage of Isaiah. It is the fourth of the servant songs of Isaiah. So many Old Testament themes converge here. The servant is a king and a conqueror, and he is the one whose suffering has the power to remove the guilt of a whole group of people. He is both a priest and a lamb. And he is the guilt offering. The New Testament contains seven direct quotes from this section, but it is alluded to so many more times. In fact, this section of Isaiah provides an outline, a summary, if you will, of the last third of three of the Gospels and the last half of the other. Commenting on this fourth servant song, Martin Luther wrote, This is the foremost passage on the suffering and resurrection of Christ, and there is hardly another like it. Therefore, we must memorize this passage. In our last podcast, we heard Jesus say that he must suffer many things and be rejected, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. For the next two podcasts, as we approach Holy Week, we will turn to Isaiah 53 and explore why it was necessary for Jesus to suffer. Let's pray. O dearest Lord, thy sacred head with thorns was pierced for me. O pour thy blessing on my head that I may think for thee. The chapter and verse divisions in our Bible were not part of the original text. They were added around the 13th century. This is one of those places where they missed it. The fourth servant song of Isaiah actually begins in in chapter 52 at verse 13. So that is where we'll begin our meditation. Chapter 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. This servant song begins with a cry of victory, and it will end at chapter 53, verse 12, with the victor sharing the spoils. This initial verse anticipates that victory, and so enables us to travel into this this pit of rejection and suffering, knowing how it will end. This initial verse is for us what the transfiguration was for Peter, James, and John, The vision of the Savior's glory and ultimate victory sustained them as they witnessed his his horrible suffering and his death. Verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. 
God will save us, but not in a way that we would have expected. Jesus, who is the royal son of David, a king, will experience the most shameful death reserved for slaves and the vilest of criminals, Roman crucifixion. It dehumanized you. According to Deuteronomy 21, being affixed to a tree was a sign of a divine curse. If you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, you may remember the raw brutality of the beatings of the scourging. Well, the gospel accounts confirm that description. No doubt Jesus' face was swollen and disfigured as he died the most shameful of deaths. Verse 15. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. His blood sprinkled on many nations reminds us of the great day of atonement when the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the people. The message was clear. The price of forgiveness is costly, more than gold or silver. It requires a life. Picture your sins, all of them written down, recorded, a testimony against you, now covered over and then washed away by that blood. The verse continues, For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. The reason kings will shut their mouths is clear. This is something we never would have imagined. We would have expected our conquering king to look the part, to be impressive in his appearance, not someone so disfigured as to bring about disgust and loathing. But God's ways are not our ways. In what we never could have imagined, he now reveals to us. The Apostle John, in chapter 3 of his gospel, writes, God loved us in this way. He gave us his son. He does not offer us a sentimental, schmaltzy love, but a love so strong, this innocent servant will voluntarily take our place under the full weight of the divine punishment for our sins in order to keep us from having to experience it. In his book, The Kingdom of God in America, the author points out how different this is from what passes for Christianity in much of America today. A form of Christianity that offers a God without wrath, who brings people without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the help of a Christ without a cross. These last verses of Isaiah chapter 52 form the first stanza of this fourth servant song. We now move to stanza 2, chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? God will lay bare his powerful arm to rescue his people, but who will understand it? The message of the cross is foolishness to the world. Verse 2. The suffering servant grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. 
We expect our heroes, our champions, those who will come to rescue us, to look strong, powerful, impressive. A tender shoot? A baby born in a backwater town like Bethlehem? Is this not the carpenter's son? The people of Nazareth asked. And speaking of Nazareth, can any good thing come from there? Nathaniel asked. This one is going to turn the Roman world upside down? This one now hanging, suspended from a Roman executioner's rack, whose appearance is so revolting, so loathsome, people turn away in disgust? Psalm 32 says that many are the sorrows of the wicked. But this man, this man is innocent. So why does he carry these sorrows? The next stanza, perhaps the most beautiful words in all of Scripture, gives us the answer. We move to stanza three. It begins in verse four. Surely, here, here is something that, that is absolutely certain. Surely, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Against all expectations, it is not the sinful people who are cursed, but the sinless servant who is cursed. The innocent servant takes the place of the guilty, the place of you and me, in a way that he receives the punishment of our sins and so blocks us from receiving it. Lutheran theologians have called this the joyous exchange. Christ takes our sin in judgment and gives us his righteousness instead. Notice how Isaiah brings this out in his use of the pronouns. Verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. As Professor August Pieper wrote, Here is revealed the very essence of God's plan of salvation. What belonged to us, the sin, the guilt, the shame, the suffering servant carried. And by this suffering servant's action, we are healed. The brokenness of our sin and its resulting death is taken away. We are healed. Verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here is our confession. We all have sinned, wandered like wayward sheep, absorbed with ourselves. But we did not suffer for it. He did. He suffered for our rebellion. He suffered for our guilt. All the gold and silver in the world could not buy us peace with God. All our efforts could not earn it, could not erase our sin. But the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. As Paul writes, Through Jesus' suffering, God was reconciling the world to himself. That brings us to the end of another stanza and the place where we will stop.
Next week, we'll pick up this servant song at verse 7. As always, if you find these podcasts helpful or if you have suggestions for improvements, please email me at pastor underscore line westra at beautiful-savior.com or text me at 513-600-9568. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.